Support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Kyle Photography Podcast. I normally start these off by asking about how it is that you got into photography, but I'd actually like to just stick a pin in that and come back to it a bit later. Um, I'm always fascinated with the way that people set out their sort of shop front in terms of the way they they present themselves, whether it be on like Instagram or their website or anything like that. And with you, there's a couple of really interesting things that stood out to me was uh, a couple of quotes that you've you've put at the top of your profiles, one being in search of America and another being photography for the melancholy. I was just curious what those two sort of quotes mean to you. Originally, when I first joined Instagram, I had uh, this profile, um, which is the just at John Thatcher profile. And it kind of started as more of a landscape um, type situation. Um, You know, I was kind of just really discovering like who I was as a photographer and what I was into. Um, and then I kind of shifted away from that and I started a, a second profile that I used for a while or I'm still using. But during this pandemic, I um, obviously like couldn't book shoots with people. And I was going out and um, kind of just discovering where I lived and um, my neighborhood. Um, I got a bicycle so I could start like riding around and photographing all the the things that are around me and then you know driving and just just getting back more into um, landscapes but also into shooting um, everyday life and it just like led me to realize that I'm kind of just discovering um, the, this part of America that I live in because I've lived here my whole life in in California but I I think I had just like never paid close attention to the details before. And, um, you know, like for instance, I, I actually live about 30 miles, um, outside of San Francisco and right. the suburb that I live in first it's, it's 20 minutes from a freeway. Like, so you, you can't even get out. It's like a long trek to even get out where I live. And it's, it's, interesting because there's just so many people with like vintage cars around here and with um like old buses and with houses that look very uh picturesque and i never realized it until i started um to lockdown and i started trying to photograph these things and so basically what uh, to get back to your question, what in search of America means is it's just me trying to get back to figuring out where I live and, um, what, what is driving these kind of photos. And, um, I think, I think that's important for a lot of people and, you know, it took me a little while to do it, but I'm glad I'm doing it. And, uh, as far as the, my other Instagram account, um, how it says photography for the melancholy. I think it's just more along the lines of, I, I really, I love portraiture. Um, and there's like a ton of different kinds of portraiture. A lot of people do street portraits. A lot of people, you know, do very posed, highly edited portraits. Um, I mean, there's just no, 
there's no end to the different kinds, but I kind of feel like I'm a little bit in the middle of that where I like candid portraits that I set the scene up myself. And I think just generally what I go for with my photo shoots is trying to be a little bit more on the nostalgic side and um, the classic side. Um, And I think I really like to put that kind of emotion into my work. Um, And so I want to, when I'm thinking of like what to write for those kinds of headlines, I just think like I need something that encapsulates how I feel about photography and how I feel about the work that I'm doing. So that's kind of where both of those came from. And obviously you've alluded to the fact that you're situated in probably one of the best places to be a photographer out in on the iconic West Coast. Um, What's San Francisco and the Bay Area in general like as a subject for photography? Is it quite difficult to navigate taking the same pictures other people have taken or is there just so much that you can you can find your own space within it? Uh, So personally, I find it actually like extremely difficult to get what the kind of photography that I want um, out of living here. And what I'm what I mean by that is I think in Northern California, there's really not much of um, not not much of a style or like a sense of life that I think is in a lot of other parts of America. And um, just to dive in a little bit deeper, like, you know, Southern California, it's like sun, the beach, palm trees, and you kind of like automatically, see those things when you find photographers that shoot out there. And I think it makes a nice cohesive look out here in Northern California. It's everything that you could ever want, but it makes, it makes it so it's not as iconic feeling and uh, doesn't give you much of a sense of um, style here. And so I think one of the things that I have a problem with is everything that I photograph, I kind of have to make myself, whether that be like, okay, I want to go out and I want to do a shoot and I need to borrow somebody's, you know, vintage car and I need to drive an hour to have the Golden Gate Bridge be in the background because that's pretty much the only thing that's iconic here. Um, or I have to think like, okay, well, I wish I lived in, you know, the, the, south of the united states so i have to like go to a location that is reminiscent of that because that's what i want to shoot you know so there's that and then um it is actually cold here a lot so i've definitely had shoots where people just like where it's too cold and they just don't even want to be out here and they just go home and that's a little bit stressful um we do get a good amount of rain in the uh winter and so you know have shoots that get rained out a lot um but generally you know i am happy to be here it is just i have to be very meticulous and i have to plan um a lot for my shoots and i do a lot of them myself so that means i have to you know book the the models and i have to book the like i have to make sure they have the clothes that i would like them to wear and whatever props we need and do time management and all that but yeah, so it's it's difficult, but it's not the worst. I mean, you mentioned I, I, I'm going to go pretty deep on portraiture in a little while, but um, you mentioned a word previously, which was nostalgia, 
And since lockdown, similar to you taking up running um, in a much more uh, lazy way, I took up film photography um, and developing film and so on. And I've, I've had a bit of a deep dive into the film community on Instagram and, and generally speaking. And something that's been a sort of a, a, an interesting constant throughout all of the conversations I've had is the Western American film community's obsession, I guess, with with nostalgia and sort of a particular sort of era of, I guess, between the 40s and 70s. But obviously there's going to be stuff that falls outside of that. Is there a danger with photography nowadays with people being so focused on nostalgia that we're not sort of documenting now in the same way that we are sort of fetishizing, you know, yesteryear? Yeah, I, that's actually something that I think about quite frequently. Um, and I think, I think there's a big problem with that. And I, the, the only thing like I could really like come to terms with for myself is, um, I think this kind of, uh, thinking is also just something that I do in general with all the things that I'm interested in. Um, right. And I, I, I used to uh, play music very heavily and, you know, I never did, uh, I did like country American country music and uh, very kept it very like old school. And um, I try not to dress too. um, too flashy for now because I, I really enjoy, you know, the, the look of the, the sixties and things like that. But mm. I think, you know, even though that's like what I'm into in general, um, with all things, um, I think with the photography, it got really big out here with the analog photographers because it's a little bit, easier to make something interesting. Um, and what I mean by that is when a lot of the analog photographers, they go out on like road trips and they'll photograph like the old diners and, um, the old, the old cars and things like that. And at first it was like, you, you looked at this stuff, you know, five, six, 10 years ago. And you were like, Oh wow, I haven't seen something like that in forever. Like what a cool picture. And then it just became something to continually copy and replicate with all the other photographers. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just turned into a trend. Um, and also, I mean, I, I think with all photography, especially Instagram photography, it turns into kind of a rite of passage where you're not going to get the recognition that you want until you photograph these kinds of things. Um, and I think the issue that really is it's hard for me to to rectify is when you look at actual like photos from the 50s and the 60s there's things in the photos that just are a little bit more uh easy to photograph and what i mean by that is they wore very similar clothes. So when somebody was wearing something different, it stood out. And mm-hmm. they, the people in photographs like that were always doing something and interacting. And nowadays, at least this is my problem, is everybody 
wears such different clothes and nobody looks similar. So there's nothing that really stands out by, by the way people dress. And right. 90% of the time, everybody's just locked onto their cell phones. So they're yeah. not interacting. Yeah. There's nothing interesting. So I think as a photographer, you look for those kinds of things. And I, it feels like these days that kind of, um, it, it's just unfortunate where it's like you could take a perfect picture of the street life in San Francisco and it's just people wearing colorful clothes and looking super weird, all glued to their phones. And it just doesn't, it doesn't look interesting these days. Um, so I think it's just a little, it, it's a little difficult to make an interesting photo unless you make it yourself by setting the scene. Um, so I think that that's like kind of why the analog photography scene has kind of gravitated back towards nostalgia because it's a little bit better photography wise and interesting as opposed to nowadays where it's very boring. Do you think that also comes down to sort of the design element in the sense that like cars from previous eras were built to to look appealing and to be bought and nowadays everything is kind of form and function rather than you know it's it's formed for function rather than it's it's you know interesting design or it's it's um stylish design and you know cars now aren't particularly attractive things by any stretch of the imagination and and a lot of modern architecture has gone incredibly sort of utilitarian i think that also probably plays a big part in it do you think yeah com- completely and i think um also with a certain uh design sense comes a uh, like a premeditated thought of who the person is. So even right. if there is um, like a car that's coming out now, like one of those, like a new Corvette or a Ferrari or something, it might look very appealing and different than like your Toyota or, or Honda. But the person that drives that car has a certain way about them. So you don't want to use them in a photograph unless that, unless that is the thing you're trying to photograph. And right. I think, um, you know, you're, you're totally, you're totally right. And I think like the architecture of today is very streamlined. Um, I mean, all, almost all, all manufacturing and, um, design is very streamlined. And I actually, um, I, my day job is working for a designer lighting company where we work with designers and create interesting products. So I've definitely, uh, see, that that change in America where people are now like, I'm tired of buying and owning and looking at the same kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I want to go back to something that looks pretty as opposed to something that is made for me to easily have access to and easy to use and cheaply made. So I think I think you hit it right on the nose is, is just America is getting streamlined. Um, I mean, probably everywhere is getting streamlined, but it's just getting streamlined. Everything's getting modernized in a very uninteresting way. And I think life is just a little bit more boring now when you look at it from a aesthetics and a visual standpoint. 
Yeah, it's definitely all over the place because Western Europe, Canada, parts of South America, Australia, they're all just downstream sort of culturally from America. So it all just trickles down and we just we essentially just copy you guys at this point. Um, let's shift gears. Let's talk about portraiture because you've got some of some of the just most wonderful portraits I've ever seen. Um, I'd love to know your directorial style because it feels like there's so much freedom in movement and there's so so honest expressions in your work. How are you directing your your shoots? Yeah, so generally um, what happens is um, if unless it's somebody I know like pretty well, um, I book most of my shoots through a modeling agency where they, they say, hey, we got like a new person or somebody that needs updated looks. And um, they send me um, like a list of people and I go, okay, like I would like to shoot with these people or however, however it works out. But an agency... Uh, sends me the model. And what generally happens is I think, okay, this person has a look like whatever color their hair is, like whatever color their um, skin tones are, or like if they have short hair, like what, whatever it is. And then I think, okay, like this would look great in this kind of setting. And I think about, okay, this is where I think I could shoot these kind of portraits. Um, this is where I think I could find something interesting for them to interact with. And then I book a look or I figure out a location. We meet there. And then generally while, um, shooting, you know, it's just like everybody else, you kind of like use a little bit into it and I'm like, okay, like I'll do some like headshots or something like close up. Um, and you know, for me just to make it a little bit more interesting during that part, I'll shoot it on like black and white film or, like a medium format. So it's like at least a fun headshot. And then, you know, we're all loosened up and kind of already know each other from that point. And then it's like, I have, um, the model I'm working with start interacting with wherever it is that we're shooting. And I try really hard to capture the moments in between when they don't realize that I'm taking the photo, but they're about to start overly posing so it's always kind of like the split second right before it turns into the the posed stuff because that's what a lot of people are used to doing um so generally i'm like hey you know i think it would look great if you like you know walked forward two steps and turned around or i think it'd be great if you like got in the car and then sat this way and then i'll make sure i get the shot of them like getting into the car because that's what i actually wanted not them sitting in the car, you know, and then I pretend like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't know if I like this, <laughs> but because I don't want to tell them like, hey, I want to get you pretending to get in the car because then it gets posed at that point. So it's it's basically a lot of me like telling um, whoever I'm working with to do a certain action and then capturing them in the middle of the action right before it turns into a posed shot. So I think that's kind of my mo which i think a lot of people respond to well i feel like a lot of um fashion and portraiture these days has become incredibly sterilized in the sort of expression and posing being posing almost just coming down to geometry and a lot of times actually feeling a little bit unnatural and almost no expression um seems to be kind of the the in fashion thing well how did you build this taste for the way that you shoot who was it that influenced you to to look for these expressions I think there was probably like a good year when I first really started um, 
shooting portraits where I did those, you know, very depth of field, boring looking, expressionless portraits. And I think at a certain point, you know, it was just like what was what was cool and easy to do. And then I just like think I looked at, you know, a, a group of my work that I had shot and I just like didn't care for it. And I thought like, okay, well, I think the problem with what this these kind of photos are is they're very posed. They don't look natural and they're just boring in that sense. So that's when I started trying to capture like the in-between moments. Um, and then I think from there, it just took like a little bit more refining. And I, I'm actually, whenever I'm working with somebody, I'm always saying like, trying to make a joke or trying to say something. So they'll maybe laugh or I'll be like, Hey, like, I know it's really hard, but can you like pretend to smile here? And then after a second, when they like fake it for a while, it turns into like real laughter. And then that's when you get that kind of shot. Right. Um, and then a lot of, a lot of times I'm just like, I'm, I'm aware of it. So I'm like, Hey, please, uh, you, you look very angry. Like, can you like move your eyebrows? And I have a very expressive face when I, I want to, so like I can move my eyebrows and stuff like that. And I think just me wanting to be more of a director led me to asking those kinds of questions. And then, um, as far as like things that inspired me, um, to really start doing that is, um, I started getting a little bit deeper into some photographers that I liked. Um, and so I own like a ton of photo books. I'm always buying photo books and, um, I think like the street portraiture that a lot of uh, photographers were doing in um, the 50s, 60s, and 70s um, really capture emotions of people in the street. And I think seeing that, like knowing that it was like a real portrait of like somebody that didn't know that they're having a picture taken, it, it made me really feel like that's what I wanted to do but I know that I can't actually go out on the street and get the photos that I want. So I have to set up the shoot and then try to convey that, um, feeling kind of forced, um, which, but it it works because it's still a little bit candid. Um, and so people like Vivian Meyer, uh, I really enjoy her work and I think that there's a lot of expression there. Um, and then as far as like somebody that is a little bit more contemporary, um, right now I'm really, I really like Forrest Mankin's work like a lot. And I think that he captures a lot of those kinds of moments. Um, I mean, there's just so many people that I, I really look up to and I, I don't even know if I could list everybody to be honest. (laughs) I mean, with your creative planning, how did you go about you know, getting good at that? Was it just a trial and error thing? Or did you have a mentor to kind of guide you through what it was that you, um, what you should be doing to kind of cover all bases? How did you, how did that build up? Yeah, I think it was kind of more of a trial and error. And I think um, a lot of it was, was actually like planning on my side. And generally, like when you work um, with modeling agencies, you have to show them a mood board so that they know like they're not sending their, their people out to like shoot stuff that they don't like. Um, Mm -hmm. and so when I make these mood boards, 
I don't just go, Oh, Hey, like we're going to go shoot in the woods and then put a bunch of pictures of people in the woods. You know, I I'm like, okay, like this is going to be a fun, like happy, uh, light airy shoot. So I'll look for, you know, some images that really encapsulate that. And then it'll be like close-ups of people smiling, like close, you know, or far away shots of somebody like running, like what, whatever, whatever it is. And so I have this mood board and I always like, while I shoot, I look at the mood board and I go, okay, I feel like I put these kinds of shots in here so that I could get these kinds of shots, you know? So if it's somebody smiling, I go, well, we haven't really done anything too happy for the last half hour. So we need to really start locking this in Mm -hmm. and I'll make sure I shoot that kind of stuff because it was in my board to begin with. It's what I'm referencing. It's, you know, the, the feeling that I want to portray. Like I don't copy the mood boards like shot for shot, but it's like, there's three pictures of people smiling. So let's get like some smiley photos. Um, and I think, I think doing that just kind of got me more and more used to, um, doing my shoots that way. Um, I never really had anybody that helped me in this kind of way. Um, I did a lot of things myself, um, because I, I, out here where I am, there's like not a lot of, um, people that do portraiture actually. And, you know, it's actually, it's, it's funny cause there's, you know, a ton of modeling agencies out here that are fairly big, but, but I'd say like 50% of the people that I used to work with, uh, end up moving to LA. Um, right. so it's, yeah, it's not, it's not like the, the, the best portrait or, um, you know, people photography area to live in. So even if I did want advice from somebody, there's like nobody around here that really does that kind of work, Okay, which is kind of nice, but you know, sometimes it's good to have other people in the same boat as you. Oh yeah, totally. And you know, like there's, there's no, um, I feel like there's no lack of, uh, landscape photographers. So it's actually fun when I, I really feel like I want to go shoot that kind of stuff. I, you know, I call up some people that I'll, I know that live here and do that stuff. And then we get to go out and shoot. And, uh, I kind of learn a little bit that way too, because, you know, they're like, well, you know, I've shot this, what, what this scene like 50 times. And if you wait 10, 10 more minutes, the light will get better. And I'm like, Oh, great. You know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's no, no real people that do portraiture, which kind of made me have to do a lot. Like I have a huge back catalog of shoots that I've done that I never want to look at again because it was just like a big <laughs> learning curve. So I have a, a bit of a fail safe in the way that I shoot portraits. And it's actually, I can't really work out whether or not this is something that sort of began with me at weddings or with portraits. It's one or the other, but basically I tend to refer to it as scene and detail, which is if I'm shooting a, a set of portraiture with someone, generally speaking, natural light, I would shoot sort of from, I don't tend to like shooting full body because I just don't ever seem to be very good at it, but sort of talking about a three quarter length shot and then I work my way to a half body and then up to what I would call a dandruff shot, which is like head and shoulders is a bit wider than a, than a head shot. Then I work into a head shot and it just, it basically is something that was a fail safe for me. I found myself so often coming back from portrait shoots and feeling like, oh, this was great, but I wish I'd have got in tighter or this was great, but I wish I'd have got a wider shot to kind of complement it. And I would have had a few images out of this rather than just 
that one that I was so focused on. Um, do you do, have you got like a sort of a very specific idea when you're going in for a shot, or do you let what happens happens, and then if something starts to develop, you chase that? Yeah, I think it's kind of. Um, I'd say it's it's split down the middle, and I think that I have a general idea of what I want to do, and I, I'm not like really a shy person and I'm pretty, when I'm on shoots, like I try to be very professional, um, in a sense where I, I let whoever I'm working with know what I'm, what I'm up to. And so I'll say, okay, Hey, I'm going to switch my lenses real quick. I want to get some like really tight shots. Like, are you comfortable with me being right in your face? And like, they always say, yeah, or whatever. Um, and so whenever I know, I have an idea of what I want to do. And then I think after I feel like I've accomplished whatever that shot might be, or at least gotten close to it, uh, then I kind of let the situation just take over and I just like kind of keep shooting. And whether that's just like, you know, I shoot, I keep the same camera I have in my hands, which I was using for, um, you know, maybe like a macro, like close up shot. I'll just keep that camera and I'll be like, all right, let's like do, do whatever. Like, let's just have some fun. And then that usually ends up being another shot that I like. So it's not the original shot I was going for, but it was just what happened. And I think having that split is um, kind of also like another way that I get the the images that I get. Right. Let's talk about your gear. I get criticized quite often on the podcast because I'm someone that doesn't particularly care about camera gear in the sense that I don't think, I think there's a, a misunderstanding of a lot of people that are getting into photography that the gear kind of defines the photographer. And I just don't ever see it that way. But in terms of your, your portrait gear, I think it's always very interesting to hear uh, what cameras people are using for portraiture, because obviously the camera carries quite a lot of personality in the same way that you were talking about, like cars can tend to indicate the kind of person that drives them. What, what are you using for portrait shoots? Uh, so I am like very, very into gear. I am buying and selling cameras almost daily. Um, wow. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, I, I feel like it's kind of a second hobby to be honest. Um, but with that being said, when I think of like camera gear, I think of what can I be shooting that, will make me feel a certain way. What can I be shooting that I like the way this camera makes me feel? And, um, I think, you know, especially with digital cameras these days, quality is kind of out the window. Like you can get great quality. I mean, from, from cell phones. So it's, I think it doesn't really matter Yeah. if you you're going for quality. I think everything can do that. But, um, like right now, like this current moment, <laughs> When I go out, yeah, when, when I go out for a photo shoot, I bring a ton of cameras too, which is like the other bad part. I, I usually have two camera bags with me. Um, but right now, uh, I go out with a Leica MP, uh, mm -hmm. 30, so it's a 30, 35 millimeter film camera. Um, I go out with a Hasselblad 500 CM, so that shoots medium format square. Uh, I go out with, uh, right now, uh, I have an M 10 D so that's a digital Leica. Um, yeah. so I'll go out for, for that. That that's usually my digital is a digital Leica and that's usually what I bring. Um, and then I bring 
either a Mamiya RZ uh, 6.7 or a Pentax 6.7 so I could get like a wider or a bigger negative for medium format. And then I also always bring like a little point and shoot 35 millimeter. And I also always bring um, some sort of camera that does instant film, whether that be like a Polaroid or like a Polaroid originals, or um, I got a lot of uh, pack film, like pull, pull film FP 100 C. Um, so I bring uh, like a land camera a lot. So I just make sure I always have at least like a digital camera, which is usually the like a Leica, um, two medium format cameras, and then <laughs> a point and shoot, and then also a instant film every time. If I could actually just jump on one thing there, um, I've mm-hmm. I've been recently shooting with a um, a five hundred cm, and I really struggle with portraits in a square format. Do you have any tips for me on on composition of of people, but with a square format? Yeah, man. I so the the, the one the the Hasselblad that I have right now is my third one. I have bought and sold two others before this one, and I kept struggling with that as well. Um, and what I've actually realized is one square pictures are interesting. Like you could crop any digital photo, and you could crop any um, six by seven medium format. But if you shoot a square, it's pretty much a square. And mm. I really like that because it keeps it a little bit more interesting when I'm shooting. Um, to me, I feel like, and I think that having the square and when you're shooting with people, it makes it easier to frame if you let it. And what I mean by that is, you know, that everything's equal. And when you're shooting, like, let's say you're shooting with um, like a six by seven, and you're shooting a portrait, you're, you know, it's going to get really tall. So you'll either have to get in close so that you could get, uh, let's just say like a half body shot, but it's still going to end up getting a lot of room over the person's head or you're going to get like a very boring shot where it's uh you know like almost like head to fingertips and i think when cameras shoot so tall it's almost more limiting in a way and with the square i like to compose the scene first where i'm like okay well let's put a tree on the left it like you know like say we're shooting outside i'm like here's a tree on the left all right, that's going to be in my little frame. And then I'll put a person, you know, maybe a little bit more to the right. And then I, it's easier to have them back up and be like, okay, well, I need this much of a person in this frame. And just knowing that it's the same tall as it is wide, it makes it easier to kind of in my head, like plop the little things that are going to be in the frame in there, because I don't, I don't have to think like, well, I'm going to get way too much sky or I'm going to get way too much ground or I'm going to get like, I'm going to like get a tree and I'm going to have to cut it off even though it's like way too tall, you know, it's so it kind of makes it easier. I feel like, and I think if you look at it as like, here's the frame, let me put a person in there. It's way easier to shoot square. And to go back to what I started this off with, um, I said about my interest in the way that people kind of present their work and they put their, 
they set their shop up, so to speak. You have your website set up to separate your black and white work from the rest of your work. And I was, I was just a little bit curious as to why you separate the black and white in particular. Is it something you don't enjoy or is it something you kind of hold above the color work? So to kind of like make a little bit more sense of my answer, um, I, my very first job that I ever my first real job was working for a fashion company and I never, I never owned a camera at this point. Um, I think I like just had an Instagram and was taking pictures with my iPhone at this, this point in time. Um, and I had a friend that worked there and she hired me. And basically I instantly got thrown into this marketing department, you know, just kind of not knowing anything. and over the years, what it taught me is that if you want to sell yourself as a photographer um, or as a clothing company or as any kind of brand, just black and white photos don't sell. Um, right. And so when, when I'm making my website, even though I really do like black and white photography, um, I think it's when people are on it, it's going to be like they either want to dig in deeper and would like to look at that stuff or they're just like going to gloss over and not even look at it. And if you put black and white and color together, I think people that are very uninterested and don't see the, the, the black and white as something they want to see, they lose interest in your page. So I feel like just my marketing brain made me want to make it like you could look at this if you want to if not this is the stuff that is or that i already know is exciting because people like color and things like that so it's kind of more of a marketing thing where i want other companies to look at me and not think that if they hire me they're going to get black and white photos do you feel like black and white is is more for photographers if that makes sense i kind of do actually now i I never haven't thought about it really but i i kind of do and I know, I also noticed that like when I post a black and white photo on Instagram, it never performs as well. Um, but I'll post it anyway because I, I it's a pro, it's a photo I really like. But I think that when you're a person and you are just scrolling through your phone, a black and white photo doesn't pop, so it kind of gets scrolled right over. And when you're a company looking to hire out for photography and like you, you can't sell a product that people don't know what color it is. So I feel like at this point it's either for like art lovers or photographers or people or filmmakers. Um, it's definitely not a great thing for a popular opinion. I don't think. I can understand it. I mean, I think that's probably why the Calvin Klein black and white stuff kind of stood out was that, you know, so many people gravitate towards color that that was pretty much the only time it's going to be able to stand out on its own. One of the reasons that I looked at shooting film since sort of the start of lockdown, I've shot film previously, but I've really started to take it seriously, was that I've become really, to be as conservative as possible, I've become really fed up with retouching standards um, and sort of the direction that retouching in in the general popular photography sphere is going. I feel like we're heading towards almost graphic design of people rather than actual decent retouching. Just wondering, because you shoot digital as well as film, you know, what's your take on sort of the current state of retouching in in fashion and portraiture? Yeah, so um, I 
worked in fashion like like for salary for companies for the six years uh before I was with the company that I was at now. Um and I started off basically learning how to retouch and being an in-house retoucher. And I think I learned a lot of tricks by doing that um, work because they wanted it to look like this person in the the ad was perfect, but they didn't want it to seem fake. So I I learned how to like subtly retouch. And I think a lot of people nowadays don't really know the art of subtlety. Right. And I think that's kind of the issue. Um, because I think like, I've seen like so, so much where it's like, they learn a trick or a tip in their retouching. Uh, like let's take frequency separation for example. Um, that's like a trick on how to uh, retouch people's skin. And I think like, it's such a difficult thing to learn. And once you learn it, you want to just do it on every photo and you want to overdo it. And you kind of get to a point where your taste is just defined by this thing that you know how to do. And I think that's what a lot of uh, retouching has become nowadays. And I think, you know, like kind of going back to what I was saying is a lot of people know that if you have very bright colors and something like really pops and stands out and gets people to notice your image, it'll perform well in social or perform well in an ad. And I think that when you see a photo where somebody is like very contrasted against the background, their skin looks porcelain and fake, you're going to think about that and be like, Oh, wow, is this like a fake picture? And then you'll look at this picture and you'll study it. And that kind of gets the, the, the photographer, the, the, the admiration that they're looking for because you're sitting there like looking at their photo because it popped. And I think right. that, I don't know. I think we're just at a point where people just learn retouching things and just do it for as long as they can and as hard as they can. And it becomes the norm. Do you think it's a case that we're, we're at a bit of a dangerous point where people are kind of more focused on what's going to get them sort of social media attention than actually just expressing themselves artistically? Oh yeah, completely. And I think, you know, and there's, there's definitely a validation to that. And I think that that validation is with things like social media and Instagram in particular. Um, a lot of people are now being photographers that would have never done photography anyway. And I think that, you know, they start off looking for, um, that kind of notoriety and the, the, the kind of, um, you know, likes from people. And so when I think about the difference, I think there are people that are on these social media platforms and that's kind of what they're there for. And they're not really doing anything outside of that. And then you have other people who are still striving to um, do the kind of work that gets the attention they want, you know, whether that be doing, you know, print, print work in magazines or um, getting booked to do photo shoots for companies that they like. And uh, those people just have to be on Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever as well. And, you know, it's just like a sad reality. But I think that there's two kinds of photographers out there the Instagram generation who doesn't care if they do anything that is outside of Instagram. And then the other kind of people that want to do both and they have to do both. 
Um, and I feel like I'm on the, the ladder, whereas I really appreciate uh, working with companies that like don't ask me to post anything on my account. They just want my photography. And I love um, when I get photos in magazines. Um, that's my favorite thing to do. But then it's like also uh, that doesn't happen every day. So I appreciate being able to post my work somewhere and have it be seen by people. But I think, yeah, there's definitely just people that are just in it for the likes. And I think that's just a creation of the, the social media, you know, and that's fine. You know, that's just what they're going to be. And they're not going to try to encroach on my space where, you know, I don't, I'm not going to have to fight these people off to get uh, jobs that I really want because they're not even looking for those kind of jobs. So I think that, that there's a little safety in that actually. And, uh, you know, this might be a bit of a, a contentious question. I've actually asked this a few times and I've had a few um, fairly widely varying answers to it, but do you feel like sort of the social media influencer sort of era that we're in is affecting the standard of modeling that's available? Uh, yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and you know, I, I think what is happening is there is a, um, plethora of people that just see that their friends are doing photo shoots um, because it's just like more readily available and they just, they want to model as well. And I think that what that leads to is people that are doing it just so they could have the photos after and be able to post them. And what that does is it makes them not think about it as art as much. Um, where they have to actually put in thought. And I think like when I work with um, modeling agencies, you know, those people are working most of the time, you know, whether that's doing e-commerce work and um, or doing uh, print ads and they're like, okay, I studied your work before we got here. So I know what kind of thing you're, you're looking to get out of this. Um, and I definitely have worked with people in the past where I've done something like this. So they, they come at it like with a game plan. And I think that a lot of the the models that are coming out now of the social media generation don't have a game plan. They just go out there and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to have my picture taken and it'll look good and I'll be able to post it. And I think that that's kind of the difference. And, you know, I mean, there are some people that never would have modeled in their lives and, um, just through social media have now started doing it. And I think, you know, some of them are really great. And I, I, I have a couple of people that I work with that are that way. And I'm like, you know, they, they either have a look that I'm like, this is a great look and you could do this if you want to do this full time, or they just are very passionate about it. So I think it's, it's definitely getting watered down with people that just do it to have stuff to post to, to Instagram rather than people that do it for the art form. So I've got two questions left, but unfortunately they are fairly big questions. So I do apologize. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one is a bit of a broad one, but in a general sense, what do you want your photography to kind of say about you? I think what I would like my photography to say about me is I want it. I want it to say that here's a person that knows what, he wants with his art and not a person that does whatever's popular at the time. Um, and that, that is very hard. And sometimes, you know, I lose sight of that 
um, definitely. And I'd also you know, like it to say like, here is a person that has a high understanding of this art form and can do pretty much anything. And I think I have a hard time um, showing that on social media. Um, mostly because I, I, I really like, I really want to be very knowledgeable in what I do. And when I say that, I want to know for myself that I could shoot in a studio, that I could shoot, um, you know, portrait work with multiple flashes and flags and things like that. And then I also want to know that I could go out with my 35 millimeter point and shoot and just kind of capture a good moment. I also want to know that I could do high-end product photography if I wanted to. I want to know that I could retouch a photo to magazine standards, but then I also know that I could shoot a film photo and not touch it at all because it doesn't need it. And I think that what I... I don't think I'm there yet, but what I want with my photography is for people to go, this person knows how to do photography and not... I don't want anyone to think this person knows how to do one aspect of photography. Right. And so, yeah, I want, I would basically want that to be the takeaway when people look at either my body of work or the work that I'm posting or, or whatever happens or you know, however they see my work. I want them to think this person's a photographer, not a person that is doing one type of photography. I mean, my last question is usually the question that I lead with. Um, and I'm getting the sense that you've been doing photography for less time than your work would probably have most people believe. But what was it that made you pick up a camera in the first place? Yeah. Uh, so as I, I kind of mentioned earlier, um, I was kind of like drifting through life. Uh, I was, I thought I was going to do something in skateboarding. Um, I thought that was going to be what I was going to put all my eggs in the basket for. Um, then that kind of wasn't, I was getting older and that kind of wasn't happening. And so a friend of mine was, uh, that I skated with was, or he, he was dating this, uh, woman who worked for this fashion company. And basically she was like, Oh, Hey, uh, I noticed that you started taking like pictures with your phone on Instagram. Can you help run my company? The company I worked for is Instagram account. And, uh, she ended up needing a lot more work to be done than originally anticipated. So what started as like a two day a week job, just posting their Instagram pictures ended up me learning how to retouch and me learning how to um, use illustrator and make emails and um, just learning a bunch of things like that. And then at a certain point, I was probably there for like six months and the photographer that they booked for, their shoot canceled. And so I had to go in and learn how to use flashes. And they had like a 5D Mark II, I think, a Canon at the time. And I had to learn how to use that. And I basically like kind of pretty much butchered it and messed it all up. But I was like, okay, I think like maybe it's time for me to get a real camera. Um, I think my first camera I bought was like a Holga. Uh, so it was like, it was like the <laughs> cheapest camera. Yeah, I know. It was like the cheapest camera. Um, I didn't even think about like film versus digital for some reason, because I guess I didn't really know enough about it. And I just took pictures of my dog. Um, 
got them developed and was like, oh, okay, this is kind of fun. And then the more I ended up having to shoot stuff uh, in the studio for work, I was like, well, maybe I want to do this kind of stuff. So I think I got a 5D Mark II as my first... Or no, sorry. I got like a low-budget Canon. I got like a Rebel T2i, I think, is my first digital camera. And uh, I think, yeah, so I kind of like got thrown into photography. I didn't even know I wanted to do it until I was forced into it. Um, and then now I just don't know what I would do without it, honestly. <laughs> Did I answer the question? Sorry. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I, I think, um, like I say, your work is uh, incredibly expressive and some phenomenal portraiture and and obviously deviating out from portraiture, like you talked about your landscape work. I think there's so much great stuff in there. Um, I'm going to cheat and ask just one more question, if you don't mind. No, yeah, yeah, totally fine. You obviously shoot, as you've mentioned, and you want to be perceived as being um, prolific in in various genres. But which one is it that's the most satisfying when you when you absolutely nail the shot? Is it the portraiture that's like the most satisfying, or is it the landscape work? Which one brings you the most joy? Oh man, so that's that's the the tough one. I think I think it's two two kind of different. Uh, two different kind of feelings. And what, what I mean by that is when I do like a, a portrait shoot, it's, it took a lot of planning. It took a lot of foresight where I had to think about exactly what I wanted. Um, you know, it, it was like a lot of my time went into it and then I'm working with another person. So I'm kind of like trying to coax something out of them that I want to see and they might not, know how to do that. So I feel like when I get a photo that I like feel like I nailed and I got exactly what I was looking for, it's kind of like I accomplished this thing that took a lot and I really appreciate it for that. Um and I think that that's one feeling. And then with landscape photography, it's generally like I'm either out with my friends or with my girlfriend or I'm on vacation, like there's something going on where it's like this is a like a memory that I have now. Um, okay, it's not just like me working, you know. So, it, especially like with landscape stuff, like it's it's. I'm not going to say it's like easy, but at the same time, it's like if you know that this is like a beautiful place and you're going out there at sunset, you kind of can just like nail it if you know what you're doing. Um, so for me, it's like. I got this photo that I ended up having to get up at 5am to go get. And I was like with my girlfriend and we were in Arizona or wherever. And this was a road trip that I really had a great time on. And now I have this photo that I love and it represents that, that whole feeling for me. So I think it's kind of like two different things, but I think the landscape stuff is less work and the portraiture stuff is like, I accomplished this thing for work like that I worked for. So I think that's the difference to me right now. Well, as I said at the beginning, I really do appreciate um, you taking the time to do this. One thing we have to do with the podcast, the entire point of it is to try and spread as much um, work that I absolutely love around to as many people as possible. So where's the best place for people to go right now to go and see the incredible work that you do? Yeah, I think, you know, the easiest one is Instagram for people, for sure. Um, If you want to see the landscape stuff, it's uh, at John Thatcher. Um, That is my first and last name. And 
I have my portraiture account, which is at John Randolph, which is which has three H's at the end because I couldn't get just John Randolph, which Randolph is my middle name. Um, so at John Thatcher for landscapes, at John Randolph for portraiture. And if you go to john-thatcher.com, that's my website. Well, I'd highly recommend everybody that's um, listening does also check out your website because there's uh, a fantastic amount of work there as well that um, they don't want to miss out on. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really have appreciated um, you giving us uh, this fabulous insight. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I I appreciate um, the work that you put into doing these and, you know, just just everything in general with trying to get people's photography and uh, work out there. I think that that's a great thing you're doing. Yeah. Call.